This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. It's unbelievable. Uh, he's a, he's a malach. We did, we two and a half years ago. We just talked about a Thursday night. Like it was the summer, I think. Started in the summer. Yeah, we'll give a share one time. It was down here. But it was that we were facing this. Was, I don't know. It seemed to have been smaller. And and I hear that Mamish, it's been it, he hasn't missed. You haven't missed a Thursday night, which is which is absolutely amazing. What do you learn from that? <laughs> Nothing's impossible. A person just there. Are, there is a famous story of the Panavicharov that um, so he was standing in the middle of Bnei Barak all the way in the beginning, all the way in the beginning, there was nothing there. And he's standing on top of this mountain of rock. And he had his two Talmidim with him. And he said, right here, we're going to build a yeshiva. It's going to be the biggest yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And there was no one there, and there was just rocks there. And, and the Talmidim said, a little bit chutzpahdik, a little bit chutzpahdik, but they said, you know, Rebbe, uh, I think the Rebbe is like dreaming. There's nothing here, there's not even a, there's nothing here. And there was hardly any people in Bnei Brak at the time. So he said, a neri digavart. He said, it's true I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. He said, most people when they dream, they're sleeping. So nothing happens from the dream. But there are people who, when they're dreaming and they're not sleeping, then the dream comes true. Well, this guy is not sleeping, that's for sure. So, Agres and Yishkoyach, really appreciate it. So, this week's power show. Um, it's, it's, you know, some people here that listen to my shroom, so I have to be very careful that, you know, that's the problem with Torah. I love you, Torah, anytime. But, um, the problem with this is that everyone knows every time I tell a story, they all know that story. So I think tonight, if you haven't listened to my Tuesday night share yet, um, tonight we'll have some stories that you, that you didn't hear. But I think this is one of the most important, what I'm going to say tonight, I think it's very important as, as a mechanic, as a, as a, as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, as anybody in any type of relationship, um, I think that it's, it's really based on a share that of Shem Shem Pinkus, but it's it's this little success that I have in Chinuch over the last thirty six years is really based on based on this on, on this pasuk. It's just one pasuk. Um, it's the second pasuk in this week's parsha. Vayisa Einov, and Avraham Avinu lifted up his eyes. Vayarin Yisov there were three men. Nitzav Ma'alov means standing on him. They weren't standing on him. They were standing in mamish right in front of him. Bayar and he and he saw Bayarats across him and he ran to meet them. He pesach oil, the pesach oil. So there's two kashas on this pasuk. The pasuk mamish is very shred to understand because if you look at it, the first thing it says is Bayar that he looked. He neshlesha nashim Nitzav Ma'alov. They were standing right in front of him. Then he looked again. By Yarach Lakrasam, if they're standing right in front of you, why do you need to run to meet them? You're going to run right over them. And why did he look twice? If you see someone by Yar, why does the Pasuk say that he saw twice? It should, and if this is what happened, it should be the other way around, right? That he saw them, he ran to meet them, and then he looked at them again, and after he ran to meet them, they were in front of him. Not they were in front of him, and then they ran to meet them. Makes absolutely no sense. We've learned this for all these years, and this pasuk absolutely makes no sense. So, so what's going on over here? And Abraham Avinu says, my If I find favor in your eyes, I'll Please don't go past my house. It should be the other way. If you find favor in my eyes, 
then come inside. Not if I find, if, if, imagine someone rings your bell for tzedakah Sunday morning, right? And you're like, please, please, if you like me, please come in. It's the other way around. If I like you, you can come in. Not if you like me, you can come in. So what's, what's, what's going on over here? So this is called, this year is called the second look, which is, which is so important. Abraham Avinu is teaching us, first of all, when it comes to getting things done, when it comes to chesed, or anything in life, the first thing has to be, Vayisa'enav, that you have to look for it. It wasn't Vayar that he just saw. Vayisa'enav means that he was looking for chesed until he would be able to find that chesed. The same Pasuk at the end of the parasha. Kedas Yitzchak. Same Pasuk. Vayisa'enav, Vayisa'avram as enav, Vayar, same thing, right? Vayisa, Vayisa Eina Vayar, same thing, right? Vihine Ayel Achar, Nechaz Besvach Bekarnov, Vayelech Avram, Yikachas Ayel Eilatachas Benoi. The same words that Vayisa Eina by Akedas Yitzchak is the same words at the beginning of the Parsha, and he could have never gotten to an Akedas Yitzchak had he never had the Vayisa Vayar in the beginning of the Parsha. And there's a very big connection between Akedas Yitzchak and the beginning of the Parsha, and I'm going to tell you what the connection is. And there's a famous, famous Kasha, I talked about it uh, before this uh, Rosh Hashanah, that we know in Rosh Hashanah we talk about Akedas Yitzchak. And what do we do? We blow a shofar. What does the shofar do? The shofar reminds us of Akedas Yitzchak. Actually, the shofar reminds us that there was no Akedas Yitzchak. Because the shofar is from the ayol. And the ayol wasn't Yitzchak. So what are you doing? You're reminding Hashem that in the end, Avram did not bring up Yitzchak. What you should do in shul, take a little kid, tie him up with a gartel, lay him on the bima, right? The rough should get up with a big knife and say, like, like you do by the seder, this is what it looked like when by the Akedah. Right? But instead, we blow a shofar, we remind Hashem that the ayol, the ayol, big deal, the ayol wasn't a big deal. Avraham Avinu brought a lot of karbanas. And very, very interestingly, it says in Rashi that the ayol's horns were in the thorns and that the Medrash says that the ayol tried to get out and the satan kept wrapping him and wrapping him in these thorns. He did not want Avraham Avinu to bring this ayol. And the kasha is, what was his problem with the ayol? He already lost the ayol was nothing. The Akedas Yitzchak, that a father was willing to bring up his son, he lost. Avraham Avinu had the knife, according to the Chidah. He even cut one of Yitzchak's simonim, right? So, so he lost. Who cares about the ayol? What, what, what are you chasing the ayol? Maybe if you would have tied Yitzchak with the thorns, then you would have done okay. But he didn't tie Yitzchak with the thorns. He tried to talk them out of it. What is he so worried about the ayol? And, 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 and the Sotan Mamish, his whole thing was that Avraham Avinu should not get this ayol. So, so why do we blow Shaifa on Rosh Hashanah? And the answer is, Vayisa Einav. Avram Avinu was Yaitza. He was Yaitza. Hashem said, do an Akedas Yitzchak. He did an Akedas Yitzchak. And at that point, after the Malach said, you proved yourself, ki yorei elokim that you were yorei elokim, he should have packed up, right? Finished, davening's over. Should have packed up and left. But the Vayisa Einav, from the beginning of the Parsha, what a connection. He made an unbelievable connection. What was the Vayisa Einav? He was also Pater. He was a Chayla. It was three days after the Brismila. So he was, he was Pater. In fact, he had no reason to do Gimilas Chesed. He was Pater from that mitzvah. 
but that wasn't Abraham Avinu wasn't the the person who's just yaitzer. So even though he was putter and he was sick, by Yisha Einav he said, "I'm yaitzer, but I'm not a person who wants to be yaitzer. I want to do the mitzvah. I want to to, to keep Yiddishkeit. Not I have to keep Yiddishkeit. Not I have to do the mitzvah. I have to keep Shabbos and I have to put on tefillin and I have to be by davening. How do you know if a person?" feels like by davening that he has to be there. You watch how he, how he acts at the end of davening. So there are certain people at the end of davening, right? Their tefillin's already off. They're wearing Rabbeinu Tom's. Rabbeinu Tom's already on by Shemana Esrei. It's already off before everyone else has their Rashi, right? They mumble a couple of words. Rabbeinu Tom on, Rabbeinu Tom off, Rashi on, right? And you watch a person, you want to know if they came to davening because they have to, because they want to. Just what hap- watch what happens at the end of davening. So there's a famous joke about all the Kadeshim, right? Kaddish, you know, the, the first Kaddish after Ashrei Volatzion, right, is what Kaddish, Kaddish Sholems. Everybody's there still. Everyone's still in Shul by Ashrei Volatzion, right? The next Kaddish, Kaddish Yosem, everyone's gone. Who's left? All the Yisraelim. The last Kaddish, by Enkel Okenu, Kaddish Yerabanan. The Yisraelim are gone. Only the rabbis are left, right? But you, you, could, you could see at the end of Downing. So, like, we will, I'm not giving anyone Musa here. I'm one of we're all together in this, right? So like in Shul by Landau's, I down by Landau's in Flatbush, so every minion, you know, the early minion, it's a waste of time looking for this, but from like 9 o'clock, 9.30 on, we're all looking for this young guy, right, who walks in with a very clean suit and a new talus bag, and he takes out this brand new talus, right? And you're like, I don't believe it, we got a chasm. There's no tachlan today. Right? And everyone's like, are you a chassan? Are you a chassan? And there's this one shul in Flatbush where there's a male that davens, very early minute, he davens, and, and, and I have a friend, that, he says, I never say tachanan, right? So, what's tachanan? Like this morning, who, what, that, that's a six minute tachanan, depending on where you daven. What's tachanan during the week? Regular tachanan. Two minutes! Two minutes. How happy are you that the whole chaydash nisha, you don't have to say tachanan? How many people are like, Oh my goodness, I can't wait to say Tachanan, right? When Eeyore starts, and we have another 10 days, whatever it is, right? When that first day is like, oh, I can't believe it, we're back into Tachanan. When Yontiv is over, it's like, yes, no Hallel, no Hashanis, no Musaf. We're back to normal. We're all normal, right? But that, what does that mean? It means that, that your davening is not because you want to. So there's one guy in Landau's, that, that even when you don't say Tachanun, right? So after davening, so we're out instead of being an hour, we're out in 54 minutes, right? Everyone's gone. They're like, gone. He sits there and says to heal him, and he does Mabit Sedra. And I went over to him once, and, and I'm like, you know, you're unbelievable. You never run out of shul. He said, I was Makadesh an hour for davening every morning. If for some reason it's 54 minutes, there's still six minutes that I have to be in shul. It's a person who is tefillah to him, is Mekadesh. He's not looking, he's not looking to get out of that davening. Avram Avinu's koyach was that he didn't want to be yaitzer. So he starts off the parsha. I don't want to be yaitzer. I am putter from Gimilis Chasadim. But, that, but, but then I don't, I'm not serving Hashem. I'm not doing chesed. And he ends with the greatest deed of ever, which is a Kedas Yitzchak, where he said, I'm, I'm done. Hashem said, okay, bye. And he said, I am not leaving this mountain without 
bringing a carbon. So he looked for the idol. And the Satan, Neuridik, the Satan is not scared of any of us. And he's not scared of Kleistro if you're only doing your mitzvahs because you have to. But he's very scared of the Jew that does the mitzvahs because he wants to. And because he loves it. So on Rosh Hashanah, we blow Shifer to remind HaKadosh Baruch Hu that there are Jews that even after their Yitzah, by Yisa Einov, it's not enough. They're looking for another aisle. Because the, this aisle I wasn't able to bring up. That was the godless of Avram Avinu. And that we show HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Rosh Hashanah. That by Yisa Einov, and that the Satan was much more scared of than Akedas Yitzchak. And therefore he did whatever he could that Avram Avinu should not be able to bring up that aisle. So the Pasuk, that second look, that second Vayar, Vayar Etzlikosim. So a lot of you know what I do, some of you don't know what I do. I was talking to, I have a high school that happened today. I have a high school for girls. A high school. I have a seminary for a hundred girls, regular yeshiva, nice girls, or nava. But I have a high school that we create that we started six years ago for girls that are mamish on the street, from all from no one from non from homes. I only deal with kids from from homes, right? But these kids have gone through all types of abuse in their lives. Some of them have learning disabilities, and already eighth, ninth grade, they're in the street, and they're drugs and. Uh, Everything that can happen to an Ebuchal girl happened to these kids. They have gone through very, very tough time. And one of the things that the kids at risk, their, their, their number one complaint is that everybody judges me. I feel judged by, Jude, by Jews. They're always judging how you look, where you look. I mean, I don't, I don't have to tell you, you know, I've, I've gone through this. You know, uh, I'm a rabbi without a beard. And I actually came to Yeshiva to speak. And in Eretz Yisrael, I was invited by one of my Talmidim. And five minutes before the speech, Rosh Hashiva came over to me and said, I'm really sorry, but we didn't know that you didn't have a beard and you can't talk about Yeshiva without a beard. So you all know the story with the Satmar Rebbe, of course, with, uh, um, huh? with Mike Tress. That Mike Tress was talking to the Satmar Rebbe. Mike Tress was, was clean shaven. And he was in the, in the room with the Satmar Rebbe at that time in the Holocaust. They were saving Jews. And he was there for an hour. And um, after an hour, he came out, and the chassidim were like, what? A fasharana, a guy with a sh- who shaves, with the Rebbe, what's going on? He said, the Rebbe said, I told him, he said, I told Mike that he's going to come to the next world, and they're going to say, Azoya yid on abard, what happened? He said to his chassidim, he said, but you guys, you're going to come to the next world and say, Azoya abard on ayid, what happened? It's not my Rebbe, I didn't say this, right? But there's, a, there's, a, there's an automatic judgment and I want to talk about this. It's an automatic judgment. So I told the girls today, one second. You're upset that everyone's judging you. Let me ask you a question. Rabbi Wallenstein's in a room. And there's another Rebbe, my Rabbi Grossmitberg. He has a nice big beard with a black hat. He's very yeshivish looking. And there were two of us in a room. I said, you never saw me before. You don't even know either one of us. And a girl says, oh, look. There's my Rebbe. I said, girls, tell me the MS. You see me and Rabbi Grossberg. Who's the Rebbe? I said, everyone in you in this room is going to think that I'm not the Rebbe, I'm clean shaven, he's the Rebbe. I said, so you're the same way that people are judging you, 
I said, because you don't have the second look. And they're like, what's the second look? So I'm going to tell you what the second look and what Avram Avinu was all about. So there's a place in, in Flatbush called Chapanash. I'm not advertising for them. They make very good coleslaw. So every Friday I go, my wife doesn't make coleslaw. Every Friday I go to Chapanash for the last, for the longest time. For the last five, six years, maybe more, there's this old poor lady that sits outside with a cup, collecting money. Cold, hot, doesn't make a difference what time of year. She's there every single Friday with that cup. And you know, you feel bad, especially in, you know, the price that we pay today. You just spend $50 on coleslaw and, and chalice and kakash cake and all the other goodies. And now there's dips and you got all this stuff and there's never this poor lady's collecting. So everybody feels bad. So some people put a dollar in. Some people put a quarter in. She's very nice to me. She always says, you know, ooh, Rabbi, you look like you lost weight. You look very good. I put $5 in. <laughs> depending, you know, depending how nice she is, that's what the kind of money that I put in. And I, and I feel very good. And I'm sure all of you feel very good when people come collecting in shul and you're in a good mood that day and you're giving them a dollar. Right? And you're not shishing them because they're putting their hand in front of you when they're davening. How dare you put your hand in front of me when I'm davening? Uh, well, we put our hands in front of a Baruch all the time. So if a person puts their hand in front of you while you're davening, it's just a test. It's just an assignment. So what's more important, your davening or this poor person? Don't ever get angry at him. Just give him a dollar. It's going to help you davening. Well, how do you know that? Because before you start davening in the morning, you're supposed to say... Right? So you see this in the new Sidurim that had everything, right? I mean, I don't know who wrote these Sidurim, but I never said all this stuff. Even in Shema Esra, you know, the new tools that we say in Shema Koleinu, when we were kids, there wasn't such a thing. Now you have, you have everything. You have Yerutsans, you have Tulis Ashla. You got stuff, you can be there, you know, you can, you can be there all day. But in most of Durham, before you start dominating, you're saying, I am a Kabbal myself, and the guy puts his hand in front of you, you're like, get away from chutzpah. How dare you? Yeah, and you can't come in during this time, and you can't come in during that time, and you can't come in. Hello? This is just an assignment. It's just to see where you're at. You're so important. Your davening is so important. The dollars you're going to give this guy is going to tell you, yeah, I'm not telling you the Milishman Esrei that, you know, there's, there's halachas. But outside of the halachas, calm down. Calm down. Your davening is a lot better when, it's, when, when, you, give, when you give money to an ani. Because guess what? Pretty much every single person you even give a quarter to gives you a brach in the morning. Do you know that when you give them tzedakah, sometimes they mumble it, sometimes they don't, they don't really know how to speak Hebrew, but most of the time they give you a You should have a tzlacha, zay gezunt, zay gezunt! You know what kind of bracha that is? Zay gezunt! A guy, you gave him a quarter, and it's a bracha to Evyon, and it says in Tehillim that the tzulah of an Evyon, because Baruch listens to, his doors are never closed, your bracha Hashem, not an Evyon, not always do your tzulahs go there, but this tzbracha and the yid is an Evyon, and he just said to you, zay gezunt! You got a bracha from an Evyon for a quarter? Zayizunt? No gabayim, no connections, no kvittal to get to him. He came to you and he said Zayizunt and you're like, Ugh, get away from me. Why are you bothering me? We're so not in tune with what's really going on in this world. So you have to have a second eye. You have to have a second kick. You have to look at this person and you have to understand that he's not a bother but just the opposite. He's doing you a favor. You're going to get a bracha from him. And a lot of them say more than Zayizunt. For a quarter? Put a quarter in the machine and get a bracha? Come on. You should give him a hug and a kiss. Zayizunt for a quarter? So Avram Avinu understood this. So this lady sits outside, and I feel good about myself. A dollar or two dollars, you know? You walk home, you did a good deed, you gave someone two dollars. 
You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Today I felt very bad. Because, you know, you have your quarters out there. You come with quarters, right? And the guy comes to me. He's a little dab and he's collecting. And he says, I have 13 kids. And I'm marrying off my 12th. And I put a quarter in his hand. And I'm thinking to myself, what exactly is that going to buy for this wedding? <laughs> what, what am I crazy? What, I gave him a quarter, right? Because I, I give everyone a quarter. I'm like, wow. And, he, and he's like, I gave the guy a quarter for his wedding. He can't even get a flower for that. You can't even get a mint walking into the chuppah for that. That costs more than a quarter. But not, you, know, you don't think. You don't think. Right? You don't think. And you think the dollar would kill you? You know the difference... The difference in the feeling of an ani from getting a quarter and a dollar is like, you, you watch their face. You give them a quarter, they put it in that outside pocket, right? When you give them a dollar, it stays in the hand. So to you, it costs you 75 cents more. It's not going to make any difference in your life. To him, the, just psychologically, getting a piece of paper in his hand instead of a coin. Now, now why don't we think like that? Because we don't have that second rayah. We have the first vayar. The first vayar is v'hinei nitzav alav. All you see is what's right in front of you. You don't see more than what's right in front of you. So it's nitzav alav. If you would take the second look, then vayar the cross arm. Then you're going to run to meet them. But on the first look, uh-uh. So this lady, one day, five, five, six years ago, I walk out, and it's cold day, and this like 16-year-old Beisakov girl, Bringing her a coffee and a Danish, a chocolate Danish. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, okay. I never saw anyone bring her any coffee in the Danish, but very nice. She leaves. I, I talk to this lady all the time. She leaves. I said to her, does this girl come every week? She says, yes. I said, did you eat anything till this, till, till this Danish and coffee? She says, no. She's there a whole day. The store opens up at eight. I said, why'd you go across the street? Um, Jerusalem, two pizzas, right? Where she got the coffee. Why don't you just go across the street, get yourself a coffee? Why are you sitting here fasting half a day every Friday? She says, Rabbi, if I'm going to get up and go across the street, I'm going to miss 10 people. 10 people is $10. So she sits the whole morning. She won't put anything in her mouth because she's scared. She's an ani. She's scared. If I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk away, I'm going to lose money. So she sits there and fasts. And if this girl wouldn't bring her, she would fast till she goes home. Because in her mind, if she's going to get up to get her food, so this woman's freezing and starving, and Wallenstein keeps putting dollars in her cup, right? And she's fasting. Every Friday, she's, she's fasting, right? I never thought about that, but this girl understood that. And this girl gave her food every single Friday. So what's wrong with me? Manishtana, what's the difference between me and this girl? I'm a good guy. I'm Robert Wallenstein. I talk all over the place. Right? I'm a nice guy. You know? So, so... How come I didn't do this? Get her a coffee and a Danish, and this girl did. And the answer is Pashat. And Rabbi Wallerstein sees this lady, I see a cup. And I see money in the cup, so I put money in the cup. This girl had the second vayar. What's the second vayar? That this cup is connected to a hand. And this hand is connected to a person. And this person is shivering in the cold and hungry. A cup is not shivering and hungry. A cup is something you put money into. A human being, you, you give to eat and to drink. I did not see the human being. I had the first fire. I saw the need to develop. There's a cup. You put a dollar in the cup. This girl saw, no, that cup is just an extension of a hand. It's an extension of a person. And that person, maybe you need to ask her. By the way, you have anything to eat yet today? So this girl 
had the second Vayar. Zechariah Wallerstein only had the first Vayar. And it's the same thing, a cute story. So I have all these, I'm, I'm teaching 36 years. So I have a lot of guys that are married. I have Tamidim that are in their 40s, high 40s. And when I started teaching, I was only six years older than the kids I was teaching in eighth grade. So this guy was married for like two months, a month, two months. And all of a sudden he says, Rebbe, Rebbe, I got to talk to you. I said, I said, come after my Tuesday night show, I'll talk to you. He comes after, he says, I think I'm getting divorced. I'm like, are you crazy? You just got married. Did, did, did you go for help? You ready to get divorced? He says, ah, she, 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 I can't live with her. I'm like, what happened? He says, we had this huge blow up. I said, okay, let me, let me hear. What's the blow up? He says, it's over nothing. She gets crazy over nothing. I'm like, calm down, calm down. You're married. Hello, get used to it. Anyway, so it's on tape. Oh, boy, I'm going to get letters from them. Oh, boy, emails. Okay, so what's the problem? Listen to what happened. She sent them out. She's on your way home from the shear at night. Do me a favor and pick me up two cans of string beans. She's going to make a salad. I don't know what she was going to make, whatever it is. He comes home with two cans of asparagus. So he comes home, she opens the bag, she's going to make the salad, whatever it is, and it's two cans of asparagus. And she says, I knew it. This is what, you, I'm sure some of us have heard this. If your friends would have sent you for string beans, you wouldn't come home with asparagus. Because when they tell you something, you listen. But what were you on the phone when you went shopping? I mean, you can't give me enough respect that I send you for two cans of string beans? You can't even do that? And he's like, big deal. I'm going to go right back into the car, and I'm going to go switch it and get string beans. Now, all of us that are married know exactly what she said. No, I don't need them anymore. I don't want them anymore. I'm not using them anymore. You could go buy 100 cans of string beans. You can roll in a, you can roll in a truck right now with string beans. I don't want to see string beans. What do you mean? But you, 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 you just wanted them two minutes. I promise I'll, I'll just run back. It'll take me two minutes. No, no. You didn't get it right the first time. I don't want him anymore. Now, here's a guy who's married two months. He's not ready for this, right? He's like, oh, my gosh. And he says, and Rebbe, he says, you want to know the truth? I know the difference between string beans and asparagus. He does. He doesn't know much more than that, but he knows that. Right? <laughs> I says, so what happened? He says, you know, they always put the old stuff in front because they got to get it out before it expires. He says, so I was, I'm a chacham. I know. Every time I go shopping, I go and I take the stuff from the back because the new stuff they put, they stockpile in the back. He says, I didn't look. It was a string beans. I put my hand in the back. I took two cans and I threw it into the thing. I didn't, you know, and then I bought all my nash. He didn't just buy his, right? He says, hey, big deal. It's not a big deal. Lamaisa, so I said, did you tell her? He said, I'm not going to tell her. After she screams at me, I should tell her? I'm not going to tell her. So I said, okay, I need, I, need, I, need, I need you to come with her. We need to talk. To do a little shalom bias talk. And I said to her, I said, you married this guy. You like this guy, Right? He's not a stupid guy. Why didn't you ask him what happened? You sent him for string beans. He knows how to read English. He's not dyslexic, right? He can read the can. So if he came home with the wrong thing, don't you think something went wrong? Why did you jump right away to, well, your friends with it? Why didn't you ask him, Chaim, what happened? And had you asked him, Chaim, what happened, Chaim would have said what he told me that I put my hands in the back because I wanted to get fresh stuff and whoever stockpiled the string beans did it, messed it up and that's what happened and I said this whole story would have never happened 
but she didn't have the second look. All she saw was Vayar Vihine Nitz of Olav. All she saw was asparagus! I asked for straight beans! Asparagus in front of me! It's over! You can't have a relationship with the first look. Because the Hine Nitz of Olav, the first look, it's on top of you, it's in your face, it's just what you see. A relationship is based on the second look. What's going on over here? Why would you bring me home the wrong thing? And he would have said, because I love you so much that I wasn't just going to bring home something that's expiring in two days, and I try to do the right thing. I'm really sorry that I try to do the right thing. And this whole thing wouldn't have happened. You would have gone out to eat, and Mazel Tov, everything would have been amazing. So most people don't have what Avram Avino had. Most people don't have that second vayar. And to bring up children, you know, kids go off the derech. And parents come to me all the time and they're like, I don't know what happened. My son was great. And all of a sudden in ninth grade, he just became a Meshuggah. He doesn't believe in Hashem anymore. He's Machal Shabbos. He dresses differently. He's smoking. I don't know what happened. Grab Watson, you have to help me. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Let me tell everyone here in this room a rule. Nobody leaves their, their environment voluntary. If you see a kid that's going along really nicely. And then all of a sudden, boom! Not learning anymore. Mechutzef. Not davening. Something happened. And the graph that's going like this, and all of a sudden it goes like that. you got to circle this point right here and say, what happened? What trauma? What triggered? What happened at this spot? How do you know that people don't leave their environments? Last week's passion, everything is in the Torah. We don't need, I mean, we need therapists, God forbid, I'm going to get into trouble, but we don't need therapy books and all that stuff in college. There's, this is life. This is not, this is mamish life. So you want to know therapy, I'll tell you therapy. Last week's Pasha, Pasha's Lech Lecha, doesn't make any sense. Why was that, why was that a test? Why was that in the sun? Our coach Baruch said to him, listen, leave where you are and you're going to become the richest man on earth. And guess what? He had no children at that point. You're going to have children. A whole nation's going to come out of you. And you're going to be famous and powerful. I'm out of here. Hashem came to me in Muncie and said, well, I'll see you go to Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael, you're going to have children and schools and, and everything's going to be great. That's not an Nisayan. Why was this an Nisayan for Avram Avinu? And the answer is, and we all know this is the truth, that even if you promise me, right, if you promise me right now, that if you move to Oklahoma, we're going to put you in a mansion. We're going to give you a million dollars. I don't want to go to Oklahoma. I, I like my house. I like my shul. I like my friends. I like. I know what I'm doing. I know my. I know what Shemr Shabbos. I can daven Meir till three fifteen in the morning, right? I can go to Munkach and daven Shabbos Shachlis till two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I like. I like Brooklyn. You know, I'm known on Thirteenth Avenue. If I'm hungry till three o'clock. I can get a pizza, and if I look poor enough, they'll even give it to me for free. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in Flat, right? I don't want to leave Flatbush, but, but Oklahoma, we're giving you a mansion, and you're going to be the rabbi of Oklahoma. I'm not interested, right? Because everybody wants to stay in their environment. Alaskans don't go to Florida. Floridians don't go to Alaska. So when you see a child all of, a sudden, all of a sudden step out of their environment, they didn't step out of their environment. They got pushed out of their environment. You have to find out. Why? And if you could fix why, then it's a whole different situation. So Avraham Avinu, it was an Isayan for him to leave his environment. So when, a, when you see someone that is off the derech, instead of judging, them, oh my gosh, look at this girl in a short skirt. Ashanda, Acharpa, Muncy, my block. Everyone get into the house right now. She's walking down the street. This is terrible. A Balavera. We have all our names.
that short skirt is connected to a person. And that person is a, is a daughter of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's a Basi Yisrael. And she, she's right now in trouble. But the second look says, so what's wrong? No one just woke up from a from Chesidisha family and decided to put on a short skirt. That doesn't happen. Something is going on here. Something is wrong. That's the second look. Then you can do Kirov. That's the secret of Kirov. The secret of Kirov is having the second look. And that when someone in shul, you see a kid and he's not davening and he's sitting in the corner and you see that he's challenged, the first look is stay away from him. There's something wrong with him. The second look is get close to him. There's something wrong with him. The exact same thing. The, the first Vayar is, you know, oh, no, no, get out of here. Oh, he, he's in front of me. I can't see him. Get away from him. The second look, same person. Vayar, it's the Krasam. He's in trouble. Get close to him and help him. Not he's in trouble. Oh, my gosh, let's get away from him. He's screaming out for attention. And what do we do? We run away. We give him less attention. So he does something crazier to get more attention. So we even close him up even more. And that was Avram Avinu's Kayach and Chesed. Avram Avinu's Kayach and Chesed was the second look. The first look is three Arab low-life merchants. Who needs to help them? I'm sick. I don't feel well. Three Arabs? They were Jews? They were Arabs. And they were low-life Arabs. They weren't Saudi Arabia, you know, with, with gold Mercedes. You know what I mean? There was no reason, ulterior motive, to bring these guys into Avram Avinu's house. Right? They weren't giving him oil wells. The Gemara says what they were. They were the lowest of the low. So the first look was... Three Arabs. What's the second look? He called them Adonai, my master. The second look, you took a guy from being an Arab to becoming your master? How did that happen? What do you mean they're your master? What is Abraham Avinu saying over here? He, he bowed down to them? You're bowing down to them? What are you doing? I had, I had a cute story. So I speak in Queens in a place called Beit Gavriel. So girls are very funny. They're, you know, like, if you're the rabbi, they're like in awe. So this awe of you, like. So, so I finished speaking, and these three girls came up, like, a, a, and, and they said, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Wallerstein, could, could we ask you something? And they were very nervous. And I said, sure. So the girl in the middle says, but it might be a little chutzpahdik. I'm like, now you really can ask me. <laughs> right? She goes, I, I, I don't know, should we? She starts the whole girl thing. Should we? Shouldn't we? I'm standing there. I'm like, come on, there's a whole line. Come on, what do you want to ask? I said, ask, ask. I don't know, Rabbi Wallstein. You're not going to be angry, are you? I'm like, no. But it's chutzpahdik. I'm like, don't worry about it. It took them 10 minutes to cut this out, right? So finally, she goes, okay, I'm going to ask it to you, but don't get angry. I'm like, no problem. What's the problem? She goes, could, could, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Could, could, could me and my two friends, could we maybe come to you for Shabbos? I'm like, that's what you're so nervous about? I said, I, I don't know, this Shabbos, if I'm home, I'll ask my wife, we have guests, I'll ask my wife, and you can come for Shabbos, it's not a big problem. It wasn't chutzpah, it wasn't chutzpah, I'm like, no, you're allowed to ask. It's not chutzpah, it's fine, don't worry about it. Okay, that's normal, right? That makes sense. Imagine the story this way. I finish speaking, and I go over to these three girls, and I'm like, um, could I ask you a question? And they're like, sure. I'm like, but I don't know, it might be chutzpah. And they're like, no, Rabbi Wallstein. And it takes me ten minutes to cut out of my voice because I'm so nervous, I'm so scared. And they're like, come on, Rabbi Wallstein, ask me. And I'm like, okay, okay, could, could you come to my house for Shabbos? That's what happened in this week's Pasha. Avram Avinu said to them, my masters, he's bowing down on the floor. 
in Mobase, and then we have children there that are not, they come from non-from homes. Israeli homes, non-from homes, they don't even know kosher, they don't know alphabets, they don't know who David HaMelech was. They're kids that, that come from the way we take them. It's a day school, and we try to make them from. That's what we do. By eighth grade, we try to get them to Yeshiva High School. I never dealt with kids that are angry at Hashem, that are off the derech, that come from, I never did Kirov Krovim, I did Kirov Rechokim. Ten years ago, a friend of mine asked me if on Tisha B'Av night, ten years ago Tisha B'Av night, at 12 o'clock, there was a place on Quentin Road in Brooklyn called Judah's Place. Judah's Place was a place for Jewish kids after they came out of rehab from drugs and they were clean, so they, they, they put together this place where they could shoot pool and they could play ping pong and they had TVs so that because they were drug addicts once upon a time, you got to have a place to keep them from going back out into the bars and all these places. So this foundation opened this place called Judas Place. And this it was a hangout for kids who came from Yatskin, from, who came from rehabs. So this Rabbi Ezra Max came over to me and he said, Rabbi Wallace, you know, I hear you tell stories. and yeah, Maybe you could come talk to these kids. I never talked to such kids. I never talked to kids that were on drugs. I never dealt with that. But, you know, I said, yeah, i got enough stories. I can handle these guys. Okay. So I come in. And it's 12 o'clock midnight, Tisha above night. And I walk in, and there's this couch, and there's three girls on the couch, and two guys on the couch, and it's the Wild West. I walk into the Wild West. Mom is the Wild West, right? They're shooting pool, it's Tisha above night, they're watching TV, and I'm sitting thinking to myself, what did I get myself into here, right? So, in the street, when you deal with street, so the rabbi, anytime you go to a group of kids that are hanging out, that are chilling, 7-Eleven, like in Muncie, right? And you're the rabbi, so there's a group of kids, and you want to talk to them, and kids want to talk to you. But there's always this one kid that wants to show off, who's going to challenge the rabbi. Now, with a kid who challenges the rabbi, this is the way it works. If he wins the challenge, all the kids walk away like, they don't want to hear what the rabbi has to say. But if the rabbi out-cools and out-duels the kid, everyone's like, this guy's good, we want to hear him. So there's always that one kid in the gang that wants to make you look stupid so that everyone looks up to him and says, yeah, you took care of that guy. And there's always one like that. But I didn't know the rules of the street at that point. So I come down, I sit down, and they're all talking, and I'm like, hi, everyone. I'm Rabbi Wallerstein. Eh, who cares, right? All of a sudden, this 13-and-a-half-year-old girl, her name was Abby, she gets up, she walks over to me. She had piercings in her face. She had earrings coming out of her eyebrows. Her nose ring was chained to her ear. To her ear, there was more metal on this girl's face. If I would have walked in with a magnet, I would have never gotten rid of her. Forget about it. She was like, oh, just a, a walking steel cabinet. There was, and she had a tongue ring which was nasty. It was this little yellow smiley tongue ring, and every time she talked, it would go up and down. Nasty thing, just nasty. And here you have Red Wolfson. I never dealt with this stuff, right? And this kid's in my face, and this is the one that's going to make me look stupid. So she walks up to me, and she says, What the blank? I'm not going to fill in the blanks for you. What the blank? You think coming to our place over here? Get the blank out of here. You blanking Jew. You blanking rabbi. And take your blanking God with you. I'm sitting there, I'm like, Huh? (laughs) Serious. I was like, I want to go home. I'm thinking to myself, I never saw anything. First of all, I never heard that word together with Jew or Rabbi or God. And I'm like, gracious Baruch Hakim, will that go? Like, what's, like, what do you tell someone like that? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Hashem, you need to help me here because I have no idea what to say to her. So she's getting like very frustrated because I'm sitting there and I'm not talking. And she's like, you didn't hear me? 
blank, because she now she has to get me angry. Blank your God. Blank God. Did you hear what I said? Blank God. And now I'm getting angry, because if a guy would say that to me in the street, I'd knock his head off. So there's this little 13 and a half year old blonde little girl, Jewish girl, and she's now she's pushing it. Now you're pushing it. So I turned to her and Hashem Mamash gave me the right words. I said, Abby, don't call me by my name. I'm like, Abby, you're amazing. Blank, you're amazing. I'm like, cut the blanks already. I said, you don't understand. Abby, I have to tell you something. I came here tonight and I was going to spend an hour or two proving to you that there's a God. You believe in God. You just cursed him ten times. You hate him. You don't want anything to do with him. But you believe him. You're not going to curse. You didn't curse any Martians, right? So you don't like him. I hear that. But guess what, Abby? Hating somebody is a relationship. When you love somebody, it's a relationship. That's a positive relationship. And when you hate somebody... When somebody hurts you and you carry around that hate your whole life, you're connected to that person. That's why it says, Loy, the Torah says, you're not allowed to hate another Jew in your heart. Because Hashem doesn't want you to have a connection with another Jew with sinner. Why not? He hurt me. He's a miserable guy. He did terrible things to me. That's right. But we can't have a connection in the Jewish heart with another Jew in a relationship. And that's a relationship. It doesn't say in the Torah, you shouldn't ignore another Jew. Ignoring is not a relationship. But you should not hate another Jew. You're not allowed to have a negative relationship. So I said to her, look at you. I don't got to prove God. You hate him, but you believe in him. Abby, could you tell everyone else in the room how you know there's a Hashem? You should give the share tonight. And she just stood there. I got her. I got her. It was good. I remember it to today. That little kid with that big mouth, all of a sudden that mouth was shut. And she's like, that's right, I do believe in God. I'm like, well, then I don't need to prove it. Maybe you should give the share. And she goes, no, I'm not giving no class, but, but you're cool. We're going to sit and hear what you have to say. And of course, once she did that and she sat down in front of me, the rest of them sat down in front of me. I was there till 4.30 in the morning. And on the way out, she asked me if I could be her chavrusa, and I said no. <laughs> I've had some weird-looking chavrusas in my life, but not, 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 not like that. But I said, you can be my talmida. You can't be my chavrusa, but you can be my talmida. Okay, so I started working with this girl. A little 13-year-half, 14-year-old. She was not easy, not an easy person, very angry, adopted, went through, a, went, she was in a gang, at 12 and a half, she had around her wrists tattoos because she belonged to the head of the gang. And to be part of that gang, you had to have tattoos. So she had, she, this was a tough, very tough kid. Okay. What bothered me the most was that tongue ring. It made me crazy. I could not talk to her. Just this little thing jumping up and down and smiling at me. It's just not normal. And every time I brought her home for Shabbos, my girls would be like, in her whole, the whole Shabbos meal, they were looking at her mouth. They were like, in her mouth. Wow, look at that. How does that work? Doesn't it, does it get cold? Do you get infected? I'm like, oh my God, my daughters, that's, that's what they're worried about. Does it get infected? Do you ever take it out? Right? If you're drinking a hot tea, does it stay hot for a while? Like, how does it work? You know, like. So I needed to get, I, was, I wanted to get that tongue ring out. So she was very poor. She had no money. 
So I figured, you know what? This is going to be easy. I went over to her. It was, I met her Tisha Buff, so this was probably September. And I said, you know, you know, it's one thing to offer someone money, but it's another thing when you peel it off in front of them. So I, had, I, t- I took $500, and I peeled 100 200 300 I said, Abby, here's $500 cash right now. Give me, the, give me your tongue ring. So she looked at me. We already had a relationship where we talked to each other. And she said, I'll never give you my tongue ring. I'm like, come on, Abby, you're growing, you're moving, we're, we're doing good things. What's with the tongue ring? Get rid of it. It's, you know it's ugly. You know it's uncomfortable. Just, just give it to me. I'll give you $500, which was a lot of money to her. She goes, Brother Lawson, you don't understand. The tongue ring is who I am. My identity is this ring. I will never give up my identity. You want my other earrings? You give me 500 bucks? I'm like, nope. Nope, I'm not giving you 500 bucks for those. She goes, the tongue ring you're not getting. Okay. No matter how much she grew, no matter how far we got, I could not get that tongue ring. I'm in Rabbi Weinfeld's shul, right, Davin? And it's Simchus Torah. I want that tongue ring. And I just heard a story about this rabbi in Eretz Yisrael who makes bali chuvas, and they take all their piercings out and they give it to him, right? And he made an, a, a, a parochus of Aron HaKadosh and the design and the parochus of Aron HaKadosh he made from all these bali chuvas, from all these rings. And I was like, to me that was like, whoa. That was like, whoa, wow. Okay? So I said, you know what? I'm going to try the same thing. So we're walking home, Avenue L and East 22nd, and I say to her, I said, Abby, I'll make you a deal. You give me your tongue ring, I will take your tongue ring, I will pierce my talus bag, I will put it in my talus bag, every day when I go to Davin, I'm going to look at your tongue ring. And I'm going to remember that there was a girl named Abby. For the rest of my life, till 120, I will always look at that tongue ring, and I will remember that there is an Abby that I met on a Tisha B'Av night. She said, you would never put that in your talus. And I said, I give you my word, I will. I'll first put alcohol on it, I'll put it in a mikvah, but, but it will get there. She said, I have to think about it, which was, wow. The next block, Avenue K, East 22nd, you can ask my wife. She stops and she says, the Wallstein, come over here. I'm like, okay. She goes, close your eyes. I'm like, no. She says, no, 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 close your eyes and put out your hand. She drops it in my hand. She drops it in my hand. I'm like, wow. Okay. A few months later, we're already talking. I said, Abby, I have to ask you a question. I offered you $500. And you didn't take it. Why is it so important that I have your ring in my talus bag? Like, and she said, that's who I was. And that's how I wanted to be recognized. But if I know somebody is thinking about me every day, then I don't need it. So you have to keep your promise. It has to stay in your talus bag. Fine. It's in my talus bag with a lot of other ones. This past Lagba Emmer, I'm in, I went for Shabbos. I'm in Maron. I'm walking up that hill. That's a crazy hill. And all of a sudden behind me, someone screams, Rebbe! Girl. Rebbe! Which is unusual to be called Rebbe by a girl. It means you earned it. And I turn around, and it's Abby. I haven't seen her in many years. It's Abby. And she sit, she's walking up with this husband with a long beard and payas. 
and these three little kids, two little chiyusha kids, with payas, and a little girl, and she's got her hair is covered. I don't even know what what that is. She covered her eyebrows. Okay, her hair was covered from here all the way around. Not a hair, not an eyebrow could you see? And I'm like, Abby, what's going on? She goes, Abigail. No more Abby. Abigail. I'm like, Abigail. She goes, that's right. I'm the fourth grade teacher in the Jewish school where I live. I'm like, Hebrew or like, Chumish, like Chumish stuff? She goes, that's right. I teach Chumish. I'm the Mora. I'm thinking to myself, if they would have heard what she told me, they wouldn't have heard. That's for sure. And I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm an absolute, because I, I, I didn't hear from her for a while. Once in a while, I didn't know that she, her husband's baked matches for the Badats. I mean, it's like, huh? From that tissue of night, it's like, what? And she looks at me and she goes, you know, there's something I have to tell you. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. I knew it. She can't control herself, right? There's something I have to tell you. I'm like, I want to know, Rabbi, Rabbi Wolfie, what is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, this is the one that I remember this girl, right? She says, how could you not live in Eretz HaKedosha? She says, every step you take is a mitzvah. And you live in, she called Golas a different funny name. You live in Golas? And she starts screaming at me in front of everybody, walking up like Bohemian to Rabbi Shimon, right? And she's giving me a whole speech with the same fire that she screamed. Blank God! She's screaming, you have to come to Israel. Same voice, same fire. Look what happened. Because I gave someone, without even knowing that it would end up like this, some recognition. That there was a second vayar. There was, there was looking past the tongue ring that there's a person there and that all that tongue ring stood for. The first vayar is you're a low life. You're off the derech. You're a mushchis. You're tongue rings and rings. What is this? Get away from me. Stay away from my kids. Stay out of my life. Whatever it is. That's the first look. The second look is this kid went through trauma. That tongue ring is just screaming, give me attention. I don't need this stupid tongue ring. I don't want this tongue ring if you'd only give me attention. Second vayar is amazing. So you think, okay, Rabbi Walston, you're in Kiruv, it's a story. I gotta tell you a story. I'm sure some of you heard this story. It's an Elena Shabbat. I love this story, because I can imagine maybe I would have done the same thing. They don't say who he became. They're very careful. Not to say who he became, which Gadol he became. Maybe one of you do know which Gadol he became. I don't know which Gadol he became. But it's a Mamish, an exact same story that I just told you, and it's brought down in Elena Shabbat, on this week's Parsha. And he says the following. I want to read it to you. The boy was restless and wild in yeshiva, so much so that the administration of the yeshiva he attended began to fear that his classmates and perhaps even the broader spectrum of the entire student body were in danger. This was a kid in yeshiva that was a huge troublemaker. Some of us in this room, we were the same way. Okay? No, no, I mean, someone in this room was the same way. Anyway, it's, you don't understand that I'm back in Muncie giving a speech, you don't even chakap. I was the least ever believed that I would ever give a shir in my life. I had a Rebbe that told me that I was going to grow up to be a sewer rat. <laughs> you ever see a Muncie sewer rat? They're very big with very long tails. Because a guy in yeshiva ratted on me, ratted, cute, right? And, and, and told the Rosh Hashiva that he saw me talking to a girl. 
Now, I lived on Locust Hollow Drive, and it happens to be I was talking to a girl, and the girl was my neighbor, and my mother asked me to ask her to ask her mother something, and this guy in Yeshiva happened to have been on Locust Hollow, and he saw it, and he ran to the Yeshiva, because he's a tzaddik, and he took his first look that Wallerstein was talking to a girl, and he ran to the Yeshiva, and he said, Wallerstein's talking to a girl, and the Yeshiva took the first look and said, Wallerstein's talking to a girl, so he called me in, and he said, if it wasn't for your father, I would throw you out of here, and you should know that you can end up being no good, you're going to be a sewer rat. Because he never had the second look. If he would have asked me, why were you talking to the girl? Who's the girl? I would have told him, she lives two doors down from me. It's so-and-so, my mother, and, and it would have been nothing. But he never gave me that chance. Because that first look is vihine needs of olav. That first look is wrong. It's in front of you, it's on top of you. It's the wrong look. And then they wanted to honor me, of course, in this yeshiva. Because now I'm famous, right? And I love when he says, you're our product! I didn't know you produce sewer rats, but okay, right? But Wallstein is our product, and they want to honor me, that I should be honored as their product, and I should speak, I speak. And finally, when he said, you have no Satov, which was a very bad button to push, I couldn't control myself and said, no, I would love to speak, and I do have a Satov. I just haven't figured out where, where to put my tail when I get up. <laughs> and he said, tail? What are you talking about? And I said, you told me I'm going to be a sewer rat. He said, I would never talk to a bucker like that. There's no way I ever said it. So he doesn't even remember. It did, the first look didn't even count enough that he remembered that he almost pushed me off the derrick, pushed me into who knows where, because he said to me that I'm going to be a sewer rat. Thank God I had a father that told me, you're going to be a superstar, not a sewer rat. But Lamai said, he would have pushed me right off the edge of the earth. And now he doesn't even remember what he said, because it was the first look. He was talking to a girl. Maybe if you would have asked me, I would have told you, I would go call my mother. Throw her out of school. She told me to, to give the message. First look. So listen, this is exactly the story. It's an amazing story. So, so th- this kid was a bad kid in school. And he was always getting into trouble. He didn't do something bad enough to throw him out. So one day, a teacher comes into shul. The Rebbe walks into the yeshiva, into shul. And he hears strange noises coming out of the Arnak Kodesh. So he walks over to the Arnak Kodesh. And he opens the door. And what's inside there on our Kodesh? A goat. A goat. And they all know right away, there's only one kid in Yeshiva that's going to put a goat, in order. it's a true story, in the Aron Kodesh. So they call this kid in. And the principal says to him, did you put that goat? And of course, the whole school is on the floor, a goat in the, in the basement. I mean, this is, this, was the big, this is the talk of the Yeshiva, right? Did you put that goat? And the kid says, yep. He says, well, take your bags. And we're throwing out of yeshiva. A kid puts a goat in the bin. And no, I call you this. You're out of here. We're throwing you out of yeshiva. Get your coat and get out of here. This is a lino shabbat. Rav Silverstein writes this. And the kid says, I'm not going anywhere. And she says, why not? You're going home now. He says, if I go home now, I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm not going anywhere. So they realize they got a fight on their hands. So they said, don't you realize you did something wrong? Don't you think? Do you need to, you deserve to be thrown out of yeshiva? He says, it's not for you and me to decide. We need to go to Besden. Besden, right? It's, it's Dine Nefoshis. You want to throw me out of Yeshiva? Dine Nefoshis. We have to go to Besden. This happened in Eretz Yisrael. We have to go to Besden. Yeshiva says, you want to go to Besden? We'll go to Besden. Of course, Besden's going to throw him out. So they come to Besden. And they ask what happened. Besden doesn't know what happened. Bezdin. So Yeshiva says, well, we found a goat. And this boy put the goat in the Ornakodesh, and we don't want him in our yeshiva anymore. Bezin says, wow. So they asked the kid, so what do you have to say? I want to read you what he says. So the boy said, 
So you're planning to kick me out of school. They want to kick me out of school, Besden. But that's not going to affect only me. It's also going to affect the children that I'm going to have in Mitz Hashem in a number of years after I get married and have a home of my own. Did you consult with my children before you made the decision to expel me from Cheder? Being that they're being affected, so halachically, whatever this din is going to affect, you have to ask them Rishos. Being that they're not around to ask Rishos, you can't throw me out of school. Listen to this kid's head. Doesn't said he's right. You're going to throw him out of school. He's going to go off to Derech. Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to affect his diary. It's going to affect his children. And his children are not here. We can't ask them Rishus if we can throw him out. Therefore, we can't throw him out. And he grew up to be a gadol. I don't know which one. They don't write that. They won't write that. I've heard the story before. No one's willing to say who he is, even though I would have huge respect for him, whoever this gadol is. Because... Not that he put the that he put the goat in there, but listen to what he's saying. He said to them, he said he said exactly this whole shear. He said, "You are looking with one look. You see a boy who put a goat in a kodesh, but you did not take the second look to see that this boy one day is going to be a tati and a zaidi and maybe even a rabbi. So you are judging me on the first look." Oh, the first look is the Hini Nitzavalov. Oh, he deserves to be punished. But the second look is Vayarach Lekrosom. If you want to have a life of Vayarach Lekrosom, when it comes to a wife or a child, or maybe even more important than anyone else in the world, the second look, you have to look at yourself. A person, when he looks at himself and who he is, the first look may be very unhappy. I didn't do what I wanted to. I do sins. I do this. I do that. He needs of Allah. It's on top of him. He becomes depressed. He starts to drink. He starts to smoke. He tries to find things that are anesthetic that he shouldn't feel bad about himself. He needs of Allah, says the Pasuk. You have to take a second look. You have to take a second look at yourself. Your potential, what you've done, what you could do. Then, by Yarach Lekrosam, then you'll be able to meet yourself. Then you'll be able to have a relationship with yourself because you cannot have a relationship with anybody else, including God, including Hashem, including a wife, including a child. If you don't have a relationship with yourself and you're not happy with yourself, you're actually going to be miserable with everybody around you. People who are miserable, and I've met a lot of them in my life, you know who the first person they don't get along with? Themselves. So the second vayah, it's very nice, an onion, a people, and all that. But you have to do, you have to spend some time. Take a second look at yourself. You're not so bad. You still have potential. You have life. You have time to change. Don't let the Yetzirah tell you, "Vihine needs of olav." I'm lost. I'm depressed. I'm not making it. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good this. I'm not a good dad. That's only people who have the first look. But the people who have the second look, who are able to look at themselves and look at their potential and not let the Yetzirah, he they need some all of, then by Yaros Lekosom. <laughs> so I want to end with a Rashi in last week's Parsha, which many people don't see and many people don't know this Rashi. I think it's maybe the most important, I can't say the most important Rashi in the Torah, but it's in the top ten for sure. It's two seconds, we'll end with this. So a lot of kids, a lot of people feel a lot of things that we want to do that we can't do. And sometimes there are things that we want to do that we're scared to do. Maybe I'll say, like, why don't you help 
You know, I don't know how to do Kirov. I'm scared. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. And all those things. I, I, I can't do that. It's not for me. They're scared. We're scared. We don't, we don't want to do it. We, we, we get used to our lives and we don't want to change our lives and we don't want to step out of the box. We're, we're scared. So, I have this quiz and then tonight you're going to know the answer already because I'm telling you it's the last week's Pasha. But I have this quiz that I always ask kids and, and adults and I'm sure if I didn't say anything I don't think most of us would get this right. I'm like, did Hashem ever since the creation of the world till today, hold any human being's hand. Now the Christians have this whole story walking on the beach and, and there were four footprints and then there were two footprints and they asked where did God go when I was in trouble and the answer, he was holding me. Those are his footprints, very nice. But Lamaisa, did God ever hold anybody's hand? We know Hashem, Nishiko, Moshabenu, he spoke Pel but like in our Torah, God's not walking around like in, in, in the Christian world, you know, holding our hands. Did God ever physically hold a human being's hand? Most people are like, well, honestly, no. Wrong. Rashi, last week's Pasha. So Rashi says that when it came to the bris milah, Avram Avinu, unbelievable Rashi. So it says, Avram ben Shana When he was circumcised, not when he circumcised himself. So that bothers Rashi. So Rashi says the following. Rashi says, Rashi. Natal Avram Sakin. Avram took a knife. Ba'ochaz ba'orlaso. And he was ochaz in his orla. Virotzalachtech. And he wanted to cut. To do the bris. And Rashi says, Bahayamisyare. Avram Avinu was scared. That's not how we learn about Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu wasn't scared of nothing. Jumped into a fire. Kedat Yitzchak. Tendus Yainais. What is he scared of? Rashi says he was scared. Okay? So, why was he scared? Shehoyazakein. His hands were shaking. It's a very straight Rashi. He was scared. His hand, my hands are shaking. I'm not doing this. Right? He was old. And his hands were shaking. He, he couldn't do it. He could not do it. Rizayar. Shehoyazakein. Ma'asakosh Baruch What did Hashem do? Shalach yodoi v'ochaz imo. He sent out his hand, Hashem, and he held on to Avraham Avinu's hand. And that's why we say, V'choros imohabris. That the Baruch Hu did the bris together with him because he held on to Avraham Avinu's hand. So there's two kashas here. Number one, what happened to Avraham Avinu? So your hands are shaking. Hashem told you, you jumped into a fire. Hello, that's a little more scary, right? And you did all this incentive. So if your hands are shaking and Hashem tells you to do a bris meal, you think you're going to hurt yourself? You're not going to hurt yourself. Hashem's going to make sure that you don't hurt yourself. And if you hurt yourself, God is going to heal you in two seconds. So why all of a sudden here, when it came to, I mean, you know, it's painful if you if you if your hands are shaking and you do brismila, but it's not the end of life. It's not the end of life. It's not jumping into a fire, right? And if you cut it a little bit wrong, so you'll get stitches. I mean, and Avraham Avinu wore, we know that he wore a kameya, that if anybody looked at the kameya, they were healed right away. So even if you cut yourself, just look at your kameya. What's he so worried about? And of course, Baruch Hu, if you see his hands are shaking, then why don't you just say, I'll do it. And if Hashem would have done the bris milah, Avraham Avinu would have been healed immediately. There would be no free days, no sicknesses. So Akash Baruch Hu, if Abraham Avinu is scared and his hands are shaking, so do the bris. And the answer is, the bris, which is the, the, the whole klaistral, you're not, you're an RL. If you don't have a bris, it's the, it's the signature, right, of a yid, a bris. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying here that if you're scared that even Avram Avinu sometimes when you want to do things in Yiddishkeit and you're scared to do it Hashem says I understand that your hands are shaking if Avram Avinu's hands weren't shaking then we would say well I can't be like Avram Avinu Avram Avinu is a human being and Avram Avinu's hands were shaking and Avram Avinu was scared but HaKadosh Baruch Hu said V'choros imohabris I am not going to do it for you you have to do it together with me and a person has to understand and we stand there we're like Hashem you do it Hashem will never do it Hashem's like I'll do it with you together and I understand that sometimes in our lives that we are scared and our hands are shaking and a Kodesh Baruch Hu says when those times come I will hold your hand and God held a human being's hand in the time that he was scared and he was shaky and Akash Baruch Hu did the bris milah together with him and every yid know, it needs to know and I tell it to the girls and I tell it to the boys and I tell it to everybody don't you think the Torah was given to Malachim the Torah was given to people who their hands shake and people who are scared sometimes to do things that are hard to do that's who the Torah was given. Avram Avinu's hand shook. But you need to know that Akash Baruch Hu is not going to let you hurt yourself. So he's going to hold your hand through that time of pain as he held Avram the Chorais Imoy Habris. Akash Baruch Hu is always Imo. You should all have a good Shabbos and Hatzlach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.